0: Psalm 109. This is a really powerful prayer in the Bible. It's prayed by a man called David at a time when he had been hurt and betrayed by the people around him. And it's quite a difficult psalm in some ways, but I believe it's got a lot to say to us about prayer, what we can pray about, who it is we're praying to, and why prayer is really precious. So some rapid fire questions to start with. Um, I'm just put your hand up and shout out the answer. So first of all, if you describe to someone, what is prayer? Put your hand up, what is prayer? Give me a definition. Prayer is talking to God. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Prayer, very simply, is talking to God, okay? Now, when can we talk to God? There's a different ones. So or what sort of time of day can we talk to God? Yes. Anytime. Fantastic. Yes, that's my answer too. We can talk to God at any time. Time. It doesn't matter if it's the morning, the evening, the middle of the night, in the playground, anywhere. We can talk to God. And last question: What can we talk to God about? What sort of things can we talk to God about? Isaiah. Anything. Fantastic. You guys are reading my mind. We can talk to God about anything. Now we're gonna think all of that in a second because we're gonna listen to this psalm. Because I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna turn that on black because it's quite flickery. Um. Now, this bit of God's word has David, the person praying this prayer, at a time when he's really angry and he's hurt and he's lonely and he's confused. And God wants us to know that when we ever feel like that, we can talk to God about it. We can pray to God about it. And knowing Jesus makes a massive difference to those times when we feel hurt and angry and lonely and confused. So let me just read the first half of this psalm for us now. We're breaking into two parts, just reading verses one to 20. And as I read this, think for a minute, what words you would use to describe how David's feeling, okay? We'll, we'll ask you that question today, but what words describe how David's feeling? Psalm 109. My God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They've spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship They accuse me, but I'm a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he's tried, let him be found guilty and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before the Lord, that he may blot out their name from the earth. For he never thought of doing a kindness, but he hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. He loved to pronounce a curse. What may it come back on him? He found no pleasure in blessing. May it be far from him. He wore cursing as his garment. It entered into his body like water, into his bones like oil. May it be like a cloak wrapped about him, like a belt tied forever around him. May this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil of me. Okay. Again, let's show you any words you would use to describe how the psalmist's feeling here bit miffed. Thank you. That's a lovely English way of putting it. Dear Lord, I'm slightly miffed. May my enemy be slightly miffed too. But yeah, he's miffed. Angry. Thank you all. He is properly angry. Yes. Vindictive. Yeah. Yeah, but he's actually, he's been hurting so much. He actually wants his enemy to hurt too. So it's a bit vindictive actually, we'd say. Very cross. That is cracking. That is very good. Very cross. He is. Any, any other words that's got Furious. That's a great one. Thank you, Efa. So yeah, I think we use lots of words. Angry, furious. I think you say hurt. He's kind of really. You can almost imagine him saying this through crying. Like if you've ever been so angry, you're crying. That could almost be what the psalmist is doing here. He's he's sort of feeling really disappointed, let down, miffed by the people around him. And I want to see that Psalm 109. David is really hurting here. He calls on God in verse one. Do not remain silent. Can we go back to the slides for a minute, Keith? And, and here's why he asked God not to remain silent. Get through these ones again. So remember all this about prayer. But this is what he says. He says, because the people around him are wicked and deceitful. They've opened their mouths against me. They've spoken against me with lying tongues, with words of hatred they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. Because what David's saying is that people around him are saying horrible things about him. They're lying about him, and David feels really hurt and alone because of that. Now I don't know if you've ever felt like that, if you've ever felt that people around you are saying untrue things about you or horrible things about you. Sometimes that can happen if you're in a workplace or in a school playground, even in a family sometimes. It's a really horrible experience. and the way David feels here is actually how we might feel if people are saying things that are not true about us. And by verse six in the psalm, if you look down at that, David's enemies have kind of become one enemy, singular. Maybe that's the leader of the group that's attacking David. And in the darkest section of the psalm, the bit he sounds a bit vindictive, David calls on God to curse his enemy for the cruel way he's attacking David. He even goes so far as to ask God to include his enemy's wife and children in his judgment. He cries on God to blot out the name of his enemies from history because of the terrible cruelty David is experiencing. This is really rough stuff. This is raw and angry. And these are the words of someone who's really suffering at the moment. And we get a bit more about the character of David's enemy in verses 16 to 17. This is where kind of David shows look, I'm not lying about this guy because he never thought of doing a kindness. He hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. He loved to pronounce a curse. May it come back on him. So David's saying, when I'm asking you, God, to curse this guy, it's because that's all he ever does. He curses other people. He's horrible to other people. It's a picture here of an enemy who is cruel, who is a bully, who only cares about himself. He was committed to cursing others, hurting others and using others. And so when David asks God to be just about this enemy, in one sense, there is real justice here. He's just asking God to treat this enemy the way this enemy treats other people. But having said all that, this is still a really hard psalm for Christians to read. It's really hard to read. And the big reason for that is because it feels so different to how Jesus treats his enemies and how Jesus tells us to treat our enemies. So Luke chapter six here, Jesus says to his disciples, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill treat you. That's how Jesus says Christians are to treat their enemies. And Jesus doesn't just say it. He actually lived it out as well. Remember that moment on the cross, he's being nailed to the cross and he cries out to his father, father, forgive them. They do not know what they are are doing. We need to see that Jesus' response to his enemies is amazing. It's so much better than the psalmist's response here, so much better than the way we respond to our enemies. And we have to always remember that every single one of us started out as Jesus' enemies. We all naturally ignore God and want to live as if we are God of our own lives. And while we were still sinners, we were still God's enemies, Christ died for us. That's why the gospel is such good news so this psalm kind of feels different to how Jesus talks about his enemies. So does that mean we can just kind of ignore it and move on? It's not really part of God's word. Well, no, actually, God says every part of his word is given to us by God to help us. So how does a psalm like this help Christians follow Jesus? I think the first thing it does is this. It helps us to see, first of all, people can hurt us and let us down. People can hurt us and let us down. Sometimes I think people think, if they've not read the Bible, the Bible must be a lovely fairy tale where everyone's happy and everyone is just skipping through meadows with, with laughing bunnies alongside them. It's just lovely. But actually the Bible is not a fairy tale. Okay, The Bible is about the real world, the real God, and real people who live in the real world. And so Psalm 109 describes to us how it feels When we live in this world and people hurt us, other people let us down, other people say bad things about us, the reason Psalm 109 is painful and uncomfortable for us to read is because it's painful and uncomfortable when other people hurt us, okay? And this Psalms in our Bible is to remind us there'll be times in all of our lives when we're going to feel a little bit like David here. And for some of us, we're going to feel a lot like David here. We're going to have people say untrue things about us in the playground, in the office, in our family, in our streets. We're going to have to deal with the fact that some people are whispering about us or lying about us. And actually this psalm says we need God in those times when that happens because this psalm tells us that God wants us to bring everything we're feeling to him. Again, the the book of Psalms is all about different feelings of the believer, the different human emotions we can feel. Grief, joy, relief, sadness, thankfulness. And here, when we feel hurt and angry, God wants us to be honest with him about how we're feeling. And the reason that is partly because God sees our hearts anyway. So as we kid ourselves going, if I don't pray about how I'm feeling, God will never know. God will never know how hurt I am. I'll just pretend everything's fine. but that is really, really stupid, because God sees our hearts anyway, and He wants us to be honest with Him. And the best thing we can do when we feel hurt or angry or confused about how someone's treated us, is to bring that to God and ask Him to help us and to hear us. Again, think about when you're really struggling, maybe you've got a good friend you want to tell about your mom, your dad, your, your, someone in your family. I want to talk to you about how I'm feeling. And this psalm says, actually, you take your best friend, your best confidant and magnify him by a thousand, that's getting close to who God is. He wants us to be honest with him. He can take everything we're feeling and he wants to help us meet with him when we're feeling that way. This psalm says, we can be completely honest with God. And also it says, we can trust God to do what is right in the end. So why is this guy talking to God about how he's feeling? Well, basically he's saying, God, I want you to act, okay? Verse four, David describes himself as a man of prayer. He's not boasting when he says that. He's crying out to God and asking him to do something about his enemies. Because in this world, in our lives, sometimes the bullies and the bad guys seem to get away with it. Sometimes we see someone do something terrible and no one ever seems to see, no one ever seems to punish them. But you see, Psalm 109 tells us no bully is going to get away with it in the end. God sees what happens, and he is a God of justice, and he will punish every wrong in the end. If you like, in the New Testament, there's a bit a little bit like Psalm 109. It's Romans 12, verse 19. And the Apostle Paul writes this to a group of Christians. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So how can Jesus call on people not to take revenge on cruel bullies? Because actually God is a God of justice. It's not up to us to punish them. God will do that at the right time because he's a God of perfect justice. We don't have to take revenge because actually we can trust that God will do what is right. And it's amazing because God will punish every sin anyone commits And either we can put our faith in Jesus and Jesus will take that punishment on himself at the cross or we can refuse to trust in Jesus and God will punish us for those sins forever in his judgment. So this Psalm tells us if we are hurting, don't take matters into your own hands. Don't lash out and hit that person. Actually go to God and say, God, you can see what's happening. Please help me, please Bring justice to this person. So the first half of Psalm 109 tells us people may hurt us and let us down, but God wants us to bring those feelings to him, and we can always trust God to do what is right in the end. I'm just going to pray for us really briefly. Father God, thank you so much that your word gives us prayers we can pray when we're hurting. And that we can be honest when we're confused and we don't know why things are happening. Thank you so much that you meet with us with all our mess and all the struggles we sometimes have. Lord, you are really good and loving and you love to hear our prayers. Thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we look at the first half, more briefly we're going to look at the second half. So let me pick up the reading from verse 21. Because every psalm kind of is given to us to understand what it's like to be a believer, but also every psalm points us forward to Jesus. And that's what I think what this next bit of the psalm does really well for us. So verse 21 is the real turning point in the psalm. The psalmist goes, David, but you sovereign Lord, help me for your name's sake out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. For I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. I fade away like an evening shadow. I'm shaken off like a locust. My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. I'm an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know it is your hand that you, Lord, have done it. While they curse, may you bless May those who attack me be put to shame, but may your servant rejoice. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace and wrapped in shame as in a cloak. With my mouth, I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers, I will praise him. For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. See the real turning point here, he's not looking at his enemies as much in the second half of the psalm, he's looking at God. He's saying, but you, sovereign Lord, when everyone else lets me down, you are always good. You're always loving. You always hear my prayers. And, and he wants God to help him, not because he's a good person. David's not saying, oh, I'm a good person and the enemies are horrible. No, he says, help me for your name's sake, he says, out of the goodness of your love. David knows it's not because he's better than his enemies, it's because he needs to depend on God's love and grace. God is different from us and from our enemies, and he loves to help people who cry out to him. But I said this psalm as a whole, and this bit as well, points us forward to Jesus. So just as we finish, I think, how does Jesus help us whenever we are in times of distress and hurt? How does Jesus help us? The first thing I think Jesus helps us with is this. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by other people. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. If you look back at verse eight of this psalm, actually this verse is quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted at the very beginning of the book of Acts by the apostle Peter in Acts chapter one and verse 20. And in that bit of Acts, Peter is talking to the other disciples about Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus for money and handed him over to his enemies. Peter says this psalm, Psalm 109, is a prophecy about Judas, So the enemy in Psalm 109 is actually a picture of Judas and his betrayal of Jesus. And how does that help us when we feel hurt and let down? Well, basically it helps us because Jesus knows what it's like. Jesus knows how we're feeling. He understands us. It's not just he's sitting up in heaven going, oh, dear, love you. Maybe that must be really hard and goes back to things being easy. No, he goes, I know exactly what that feels like. One of my closest friends betrayed me for a little bit of money, handed me over to, to, his en- to my enemies by kissing me. Then I was arrested, beaten, and nailed to a cross. Jesus knows what it is like to be betrayed. And so he's able to help us. We're never alone when we're hurt or let down by people. Jesus sympathizes with us and he has compassion on us and he's able to help us. That is how Jesus helps us when we're struggling. And then the ending of this psalm points us forward to Jesus. Look at verse 31 again. It says, the Lord stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. You see, that's a picture of Jesus praying for us in heaven. Jesus stands at the right hand of the needy. When it feels like everyone else has abandoned us and let us, left us alone, Jesus never will. He draws near to the needy and the poor and the weak. Remember some of his words he said in the New Testament, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Again, Christians don't pray because we're strong or because we're spiritual. We pray because we're weak and we need Jesus to help us. And Jesus loves to stand by us and help weak and needy people like us. And actually the New Testament builds on that picture of Jesus standing at our right hand when it teaches that Jesus makes all of our prayers pleasing to God. That's an amazing teaching in the New Testament. Again, you read Psalm 109, you go, this this speaker, he's a bit all over the place. He's so angry. He's so vindictive. How could God ever listen to a prayer leader? Surely God's going to strike him down for praying this prayer. And we think, well, how can I be honest with God? Because it sounds so ugly and messy. But in those moments when our hearts are in a mess, Jesus is our great high priest and he is praying for us. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus makes all of our prayers pleasing to God. Jesus is alive today and he is praying for every single Christian and he's praying that we be helped by God and we trust in God. He loves us so much. He has not left us alone. He is praying for us. So this Psalm shows us we can be completely honest with God because Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. He stands at the right hand of the needy. He comes close to us when we're really needy and he makes all of our prayers pleasing to God. Let me pray for us before we sing our last song. Let me, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that when we're in this world, we're not in a world that you don't know anything about. We're not in a world where we're totally left on our own to live for you. Instead, Lord, you draw near to us by your Holy Spirit and we can look to you knowing that you've gone through every single struggle we go through and that you are praying for us today. Thank you so much that every Christian sitting here this morning can say, the Lord Jesus is praying for me today as I go and see those people, as I go back to school, as I face the things I'm a bit worried about, that Lord Jesus is praying for me in that. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your prayer. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much that we can be honest with you and you don't reject us, but if we humble ourselves and ask you to help us, you meet with us and you're gracious to us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And thank you, Jesus, for the gift of being able to talk to you at any time and in any place. In your name, we praise you for it. Amen.